In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we begin the homily, the ushers are going to come down and take your envelopes so they can send them on their way. St. Paul tells us about who he is as an apostle, not just by virtue of wanting to impress us, by explaining also what his role is, what his purpose is. He is a witness of the resurrection in a different way than the original 12 or 11 are witnesses of the resurrection. And his being an apostle makes his work apostolic. And when we identify the church, when we identify the, the truth of the Christian gospel, we look for four marks. We'll mention them in the creed. The church is one. The church is holy. The church is Catholic. And the church is apostolic. Some of them seem more um, notable than others of those four marks. The church being apostolic appears to be something of a chronological or a historical or sociological phenomenon in and of itself, not necessarily significant. Except when you consider what it means that we believe the same deposit of faith that Christ gave the apostles. He taught them. Not everything that he taught is contained in the Gospels. The Gospel writers tell us that. And the Gospel writers aren't just saying that this is the only thing you need to believe. But of the things that he taught, these are the most important. And in fact, they would have written things down just for the sake of clarifying what was already being preached and understood and passed along to succeeding generations. Our own patron, St. John, who lived through the entirety of the first Christian century, taught Polycarp. St. Polycarp taught St. Irenaeus, and we're already into the third century. There have only been 20 Christian centuries, only 20 long generations, as it were. When we think of the church being apostolic, we should think of the, the work of the church consisting in one witness, communicating this truth to another, who will then be a witness for another. We shouldn't think of it as something automatic, as something that will happen no matter what, because if we don't learn it and if we don't convey it, then it dies with us. The church won't die, the truth won't die, but the salvation of another soul is in jeopardy. The fact that despite all the scoundrels who have been involved in this mysterious work have kept intact the deposit of faith, that which Christ taught the apostles, regardless of their personal deficiencies or even their sins, that's a miracle. Apostolic succession we regard as something uh, usually or we immediately associate it with something having to do with the, the proper and valid ordination of bishops. But we are all involved in the succession of the apostolic work of teaching the faith. The truth will be accompanied by signs. The church being apostolic isn't just a fact, it's also a sign of its authority. It's a miracle. Christ taught. 
He taught many times. Only some of what he taught, only a few of those instances are recorded in the Gospels. How much more memorable, of course, are those times when he taught and worked a miracle. The order of things is important to pay attention to the fact that he was teaching already to a large crowd because his truth already resonated. There are some things that he taught which someone already could know to be true, the Ten Commandments, for instance. But there are things that he taught as well that no one could ever figure out, but made in the image and likeness of God, we can, we can sniff it out. We can recognize the truth. We can realize this fulfills our nature, even if we never could have figured it out on our own. He already has a large crowd, and those who are already convinced of his truth are then given a confirming sign, a miracle. The miracle doesn't prove that what he says is true, but it confirms, it reassures those who are there that this truly is of God. And so, in fact, every mark of the church is not just a sign, it's also a miracle. At the Last Supper, the, the Lord prayed that there be one, one church and that the unity of all the believers would be assigned to the world that this is of God. The holiness of the church is something that we all first associate with the, the evidence that this really is of God, that this really is from heaven. Whether it be miracles of the Eucharist or the miracle of personal holiness, The fact that the church is Catholic, again, like it being apostolic, can sound to some as something rather uh, merely historical or just simply sociological. It's simply a fact. The church is universal. The church embraces not only all the teachings of Christ, but the church teaches us everywhere. For the 20-some-year-old who was beginning to doubt his faith, in fact, the very day that he knew he would enter the seminary. This, in fact, is the, the most compelling piece of evidence. Because those men and women who were the first believers of the faith either were duped or were concocting a hoax and therefore would probably act like a cult, scared of being found out, scared of interacting with the public. But instead, they were Catholic. They went out to all corners of the world preaching this message, completely unafraid, making it evident to anyone who has eyes to see they actually are witnesses of the truth. We're very familiar probably with the ending of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. If you have been confirmed, if you are getting confirmed, you know these words well, I hope. That is the mission of the church. We should also know well the end of St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. 
And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that attended it. Amen. Doesn't mean that every believer will be able to do all of these things, but the truth will be accompanied by signs, by evident holiness, by evident manifestations of God's power. Even if we are not accompanied by such signs, we still preach and teach the truth. Just because those miracles don't visit us doesn't mean what we're saying isn't true, but it does mean that what we say is less persuasive. We should expect to be holy. We should expect that our visiting these sacred mysteries make us holy, make us bearers of God's grace, power, and glory. Lent begins in three days. Please do not approach it as a little self-help program where you're going to get a little better, lose a few pounds, and be ready for a nice Easter. This is the time to get our spiritual life in order. This may be our last Lent. It's a time to put God in the proper place in our life. And if extraordinary things happen as a result, we shouldn't be surprised. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.